So our scripture reading today has a, a couple of the most uh, well-known scripture verses, uh, probably most quoted scripture verses, and uh, the first, uh, probably most well-known uh, 60 years ago would be probably the most quoted Bible verses referred to as the golden rule, right? It's uh, John 7, 12, uh, that, and uh, I'm going to put that Norman Rockwell up there. Put that Norman, there you go. Uh, many of you may be familiar with this painting that Norman Rockwell did, um, and on it he quotes uh, Matthew seven twelve. you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and the idea of that was, all right, uh, you know, this is a commonality in, in many religions, and, you know, if we just live by this, it would be good. Um, that was probably the most well-known Bible verse, you know, about 60 years ago. Uh, what do you think the most well-known Bible verse probably is now? John 3.16, maybe. What's the most quoted one? Truth is said, how about judge not, right? I mean, that one's always thrown out, right? Judge not, lest you be judged. And in fact, so we, if we go up a few verses to John 7.1, that's where we encounter that scripture. Um, and the thing about the words of Jesus, whether it's don't judge, whether it's the golden rule, is folks often will qu quote Jesus because they're making a point, right? And everyone wants Jesus on their side, right? Everyone wants Jesus on their team, so they quote Jesus' words for their own purpose. But what's important is, well, what did Jesus mean by that? And how, would, how should we apply that, those words to our life? So if we want to figure out, well, what does Jesus mean uh, what would we need to look at? Context. Beautiful, beautiful context. So what context are we in right now? Well, we're in the Gospel of Matthew, and um, Matthew chapter 7 is a part of the Sermon on the Mount. Right? That's Matthew chapter 5 through 7. And what is the Sermon of the Mount about? It's about the kingdom of God, that Jesus is saying, all right, this is what the kingdom of God is about. It is coming. It is here. Uh, he's inviting people into the kingdom of God, and he's talking about what does it look like to be a good citizen of God's kingdom. And he quotes, uh, he says things about God's righteousness, being right with God in his kingdom, it's more than just behaviors. It goes to our hearts, right? So when we're trying to figure out, well, what did Jesus mean by do not judge or the golden rule? We can assume that it related to life in God's kingdom. What does it mean to live in God's kingdom? What does it mean to enter into God's kingdom? And so let's unpack this a little bit. So first, Matthew uh, 7, 1 through 5, uh, I want, this is actually a part of our scripture too, uh, I want to read that to you. It says, judge not that you not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Okay? And then it'll go on to talk about um, ask, seek, and knock. So there it is, Matthew 7, 1. Don't judge, so you're not judged. Now in the Bible, that word judge, it's kind of like the, in the Greek, it, it's very similar to English in that it's got a big range of meaning. It can mean on one side to condemn, right? So don't condemn others, like the final judgment. 
There's that sense. But then it goes all the way to just sort of discerning between two things. Uh, like, um, I'm, I'm gonna, which way, which path is better to take? Which road is better? Well, that one has less construction, and so you're judging which one is better. So it has a, a wide range of meanings here. But here, because we're talking about God's kingdom, the, the thrust is only God can ultimately judge a person. He is the king. And he is the judge of the kingdom. He makes the rules. He decides who gets in. He decides what's right and what's wrong. That's the context here. So we need to be very careful in taking God's role onto ourselves. So God invites us into his kingdom. We're citizens of his kingdom. But he's the judge. He's the king. We're not to take that role to ourselves. That's the context here. Now, Many people will quote that, seven, that chapter 7, verse 1, don't judge, in a response to kind of any value judgment we make. So like, oh, I don't know if that's the right thing to do. Oh, do not judge. As if there's no right or wrong, as if there's no accountability in the faith community. But no, we're, we're following. Remember, the, the, the um, Sermon on the Mount tells us to follow God's will. We're commanded to follow God's will. And in order to do that, we have to judge. Like, well, is this God's will or not? And then there's accountability also in the faith community. And Jesus addresses this in Matthew chapter 18. We'll get there. But he says, hey, if, if your brother sins against you, go and, and talk to him and work it out together. Well, then that assumes that, you know, you're, you're judging something as sin. You're judging something as right or wrong. And you go to that person. That requires judging things according to Jesus' word, according to the king's word, not to ours. So remember, this command not to judge, it's in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is telling us what to do, what not to do to reflect and enter into God's kingdom. And I say that because oftentimes this verse is quoted as a cover to not follow God um, instead of to follow him. No, we still have to obey God, what God has revealed to us as a community, as individuals. Now that all being said... What is Jesus emphasizing here? Well, that, that his kingdom is so radically, first of all, he's, he's emphasizing that he's the judge, not us, but also that the kingdom is so radically different that we need to be careful when judging other people. We see this in Matthew because what's happening? All sorts of sinners and tax collectors are streaming into God's kingdom. They're responding to Jesus' invitation that the kingdom of God is at hand. People who we would judge as they can't get in the kingdom, they're sinners. They're the ones streaming into God's kingdom, whereas the religious leaders, they're saying, ah, I don't, they're, they're keeping Jesus at an arm's length. So people we would judge, yeah, they're, they're all about the kingdom. They're always talking about the kingdom of God. They're being excluded, but the ones who most people would judge is outside the kingdom, they're entering. The judgment of people often does not line up with God's judgment. So when we claim to be speaking for God or judging for God, we can actually be condemning ourselves. And that's why Jesus says, he says, all right, you want to know about the kingdom? Don't judge so that you're not judged. Because in the final judgment, will God use the standard that we set? 
Here it says, well, that's what God's going to do. So if, like the religious leaders, we're excluding people from the kingdom because of their sin, then should God exclude us for our sin? Oh, oh, my sin's different, though. My sin's different. What is your standard for who gets in the kingdom? What measure will you use to say who is in God's kingdom? Now, hopefully, like me, you feel even uncomfortable asking that question because it's not my decision to make. It's not my kingdom. It's not, it's, it's God's kingdom. So it's not me to make the standard or to make the measure. It's not my place. But here's the thing is that even if you and I, or you made the standard for righteousness, God said, oh, you picked that standard, we'll always fail at some point. Especially when we stand before God. And he sees what we do in secret. He sees into our hearts. He would condemn us because we can't even live the same standards that we make. So the standard must be God's radical grace, God's forgiveness, and his invitation to the kingdom through Jesus. Entry into his kingdom is based on God's character and work not our own. We have to cling to that. Because Jesus, you know, he later tells a parable in, in Matthew 18, and we'll get there sometime next year. <laughs> he tells a parable about an unmerciful servant where this servant owed his master a tremendous debt a, a huge, like, uh, in today's figures, it's something like millions and millions of dollars. And so he could never repay. But the master graciously forgave him. But then that merciful servant went to his fellow servants who owed him a couple dollars, and they beat them and threw them in jail. And I think what Jesus means with this parable is that we all, if we're servants of the kingdom, we all have such a tremendous debt to pay that we can never repay it because the standard is God's perfect righteousness and his holiness, and we will fall short of that every time. So the measure must be God's grace. It has to be God's grace. And that is why the sinners and the tax collectors were streaming to Jesus because they knew they had nothing to offer. They knew they could not repay their debts, and they fell short of God's righteousness, and that their only chance was God's forgiveness from the king. They, they needed an invitation, and yet that was Jesus was doing. He was giving them an invitation. He said, the kingdom of God is here. And so they streamed to him. But the religious leaders... They thought they had righteousness all figured out. They were the children of God, and yet how quickly they forgot, how quickly we forget that we're in God's kingdom by his grace and his character. Not our character, not our works, his grace and character. How quickly we fall back into not the kingdom standards of grace, 
and God's perfect holiness, we fall back into worldly standards of inserting ourselves and our behavior as the standard and as the judge. We revert to the hypocrisy of the fallen world where we judge others more quickly and more stringently than we judge ourselves. And psychologists, they have run numerous tests, numerous experiments that show this, that we judge others more strictly, again, more quickly than we judge ourselves or those that we consider to be our people. But before the psychologist did all the experiments, Jesus says the same thing. What, is, what does he say? He says, hey, why? Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye but can't see the plank in your own eye? Now, <laughs> this is where, you know, people say, well, God has a sense of humor. Yeah, I think he does, but this is an example where Jesus, he is saying something silly. He's giving a silly picture of me with this in my eye. Oh, and I, ow, I've got actually a sawdust in my eye. Um, <laughs> Going up to, to Russ, hey, Russ, I, I notice, I notice you've got something in your eye there. Let, let me take that out for you. And see, and Russ is even nervous because he thinks I'm going to hit him with my big plank. <laughs> and because I can't see properly. And Jesus, he's telling this, and, and I think that as those were listening, they were chuckling because that's preposterous. You, you, are you serious? Like, you, you see a speck in someone's eye, and you got this plank, and you're going to remove that? But that's human nature. We see other people's sins, other people's faults so much quicker than our own. And that's where Jesus, though, he says, be careful, don't judge, because you're probably missing something in your own life. But we so easily go back to the hypocrisy of the natural world. In our, our culture, well, especially in the election cycles, this is always highlighted, this hypocrisy, where the, the other side, their motivations are always the most evil. And they're, they're, you know, and we judge them so fiercely. And then our side, they'll do the same thing. But, well, no, they have good reason for that. It's human nature. And that's why Jesus says, because it's human nature, you be careful of who and how you judge. And so the lesson here, though, is that when we are judging other people, right? Where, what standard are we using? It's not our place. But the lesson here is not, all right, everyone sins, so therefore sin is not a big deal. Because I think that's one of the directions that people often go in this kind of topic. That it's true, we, we, we believe and trust in, in God's word that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We see that, you know, we're, we all have hypocrisy in us. And so we may go to this thing and say, all right, well, therefore, sin's not a big deal because everyone sins. Now, that is a human-based 
thinking. We're talking about the kingdom of God. Rather, the approach needs to be that, yeah, all have sinned. And so we're all in desperate need of God's grace. It's not that sin isn't a big deal. It's that sin is a huge deal that we all have to deal with. And so instead of judging you by the standards of behavior, I'm gonna, I want to be judged and I want that judgment to be based on God's grace. So the measure that we measure out to others, what do we want it to be? It's God's, hopefully it's God's grace. If you see that you have a plank in your eye, then you don't want to be judged by what's in your eye. <laughs> you want to be judged by the grace of God. That's the standard. That's what it should cause us. This whole idea should cause us to want to run to the king, run to the judge, because he is a good judge. He's a loving judge, a forgiving judge. As, as Peter mentioned uh, in the prayer, he's a loving father. That's why the, the next section that Cleo read, this idea of, of, you know, ask and it will be given, this radical nature of God's kingdom, it, it goes against the flow of the fallen world. I mean, it's difficult to, we're, we're supposed to judge in terms of what's right, what's wrong, and I need to follow God, but yet we fall into hypocrisy. Or what about the other parts of the Sermon on the Mount that says things radically like, love your neighbor, not just, you don't just love your friends, but love your enemies. Whoa, how do I do that? Or the, the kingdom standard righteousness of, hey, you've heard it said, do not murder, but I say whoever hates his brother in his heart has committed murder already. Or you've heard it said, do not um, commit adultery, but I say to whoever lusts after a woman in his heart. So these kingdom things and this idea of judging, it's, how do we even do that? Because it's it's if we go with the flow of the world, it's so counter to God's kingdom. What's when we run to the judge? We run to the righteous judge, the gracious judge, and ask him for help. Verse 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Often, remember the context here. Because you might think, hey, why did Jesus go back to prayer? He already talked about prayer. So why is he talking about prayer again? Because the only way that we are in God's kingdom... The only way that we are walking in his ways from the heart, the only way that we're not judging is through God's help. So that what we're asking for, what we're seeking, what we're knocking and for God to open to us is his kingdom, his blessings, his Holy Spirit, so that we can actually walk in these ways. And, and look what it says. It says in verse 9, which of you, if a son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good gifts to those who ask him? Again, it seems unconnected, but we're asking God to be able to obey all the things that Jesus commanded. It's impossible to do these things without God's help. And that's why we go to him. We constantly go to him. And we go to him knowing that, yes, I mean, he's the judge. He is the king. But he's so forgiving. He's so loving and gracious that we run to him based on who he is. When we judge, what do we do? We're saying, all right, this person's close to God based on what they do. 
But when we truly understand God's grace, we know that we're all, every single one of us, able to approach God just because of his grace, because of his forgiveness. And that radically changes all that we think about in terms of the kingdom. It makes tax collectors and sinners run to Jesus because they know they need him. It makes us run to Jesus. It makes us not judge people based on their behavior, but based on, are you taking a step towards the gracious judge? Because that's what we need. That's what we need. We ask, we seek, we knock, so that the kingdom is open to us. Now, Jesus, he concludes this section with a rule of thumb. And this is the golden rule. Verse 12, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. This is the law and the prophets. So in other words, the whole Old Testament, the whole scriptures can be summed up with the command to do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. Now, many religions have a version of this. But often, what's interesting is it's phrased in the negative. Don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. And I think often that's how we treat this. But Jesus doesn't say it in the negative, does he? He says the positive. Because, you know, you can fulfill that command by not doing anything, right? Well, don't do to others what you don't want them to do to you. All right, well, I'll leave them alone, and they'll leave me alone. It'll all be good. But Jesus calls us to a radical love, and love is active, Love doesn't just leave people alone. Love says, I want to help you. I want to love you. And like a loving father, Jesus gives us that example. And um, Peter used the word reciprocity before. And this is not a reciprocity in a sense of, all right, notice there's nothing given here. I'm going to do something for you so that you'll do something for me. I know. It's more like if I want to reciprocate God's love for me and what he has done, then I'm going to graciously and actively love others. So the reciprocity isn't here. I'm loving you because then you'll love me back. It's more like here. God is loving me and I'm going to his kingdom by loving others. One is to act as one would be treated. So this isn't a rule of reciprocity. This is actually a rule of empathy. That it's, it's, it's that if you want to do to someone else what the, you would want them to do to you, well, then that means you kind of need to understand them. Because how, how do I know what you need, what you would want, if I don't even know you? See, this is a whole different posture of, of not telling and teaching and judging, but rather listening and learning so that if I know you and I know your needs, then I'm going to love you in a way that helps you take a step towards the righteous and gracious judge of the universe. That's where we need to bring people, treating others like we would want to be treated. Guess what? I also want people to judge me in a way that takes into account mitigating circumstances. But no, what happens? We always judge people and their motives as the worst. 
Instead of, wait, if I was in their situation, if I went through that trauma, if I went through that church experience, well, then what I would really want is people not to judge my behavior, but people just to say, all right, take a step towards Jesus. Take a step towards the righteous judge. He's the judge. I'm not. If you get closer to him, we'll take that. That's what I want. And it's not trying to take specks out of people's eyes, but it's rather saying, oh, you got a speck in your eye? You should see the optician, or however that word is. What is it? Person who looks at your eyes. Optician. I combine obstetrician and optician. Yeah. See the eye doctor. Right? I mean, that's what we want. Because the eye doctor, he's the one or she's the one who can actually see and help and know. So this idea of, of judge not and also the golden rule, they actually go together. They go together when we understand the radical nature of God's grace. Because we like, oh, do not judge. Well, it's not it's because we're not the judge. And yet we want others to come to that judge because we understand who he is. We understand that he is loving, and that's the rule. So for us, sitting here today, if you have trusted in Jesus, if you have said that, yes, I am in God's kingdom because of his work, then take a step towards Jesus today. Take another step to Jesus today. Help others. And, and you help others take a step towards Jesus, not by judging your be their behavior, because God didn't judge you by your behavior, but rather help others take a step towards the gracious judge. Who in your life today? Perhaps there's someone in your life, and you're like, yeah, they're so far from God, and oh, they, they, they sin this way and this way and this way, and you can see all the ways they sin. Make that decision in your mind, not to be pointing out their sin, but rather pointing them to the Savior. He is the righteous judge. Is there someone in your mind that you're thinking about? Or maybe you're here today, and you know, like, I'm a sinner. And, and you're thinking about all the things that you've done in the past or even have done today. The good news is that God is a forgiving and righteous judge, that I'm not in a part of God's kingdom because of my behavior. You're not a citizen of God's kingdom because of your behavior. We're citizens of God's kingdom because of his grace and mercy. That's why all of these songs that we sang at first, nothing but the blood of Jesus and all of this, what, why are we singing that? Because that's how we come into God's kingdom, because of his work, not our own. So let us treat others as we would want to be treated. I want to be treated by grace, God's grace, because I'm not in God's kingdom based on my behavior. Let's treat others that way, pointing them constantly to the judge, knowing that he's the one who can change lives. Let's pray. God, you are the great judge. It is your kingdom. We repent of the ways that we have taken your place. 
Lord, and put up our own standards, our own behavior as what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom. And God, instead, we throw ourselves at your feet. We're thankful for your grace. Lord, fill us to overflowing with a deep understanding of who you are, of your grace and mercy that'll change our lives. Holy Spirit, move about this sanctuary now as we sing this, long, this last song. I pray that anyone who has not fully come to grips with your radical grace would trust in you. Lord, those online as well, they would trust in you and find that freedom in you. And Lord, we pray that you would also be putting in our hearts and minds those who need your touch, those who need to take a step towards you, and help us, Lord, to point these folks to you instead of pointing at their sin. And Lord, we thank you for your grace, and may we rejoice and sing of your grace and your forgiveness now. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.